0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Aneptus' Stardust. This is episode two. My name is Ned. Today we're going to do a deep dive into two more of the line choices for Horse Heresy 2.0, the Breacher Squad and the Assault Squad. We are going to get to some listener questions because you sent a lot of those. That was pretty great. And then we're going to talk about one uh, list that I was asked to put together. Time permitting and uh, don't know about that because we got a lot to do. Uh, thank you so much for being patient. It's been over a week since the last episode, and um, I was at a conference last week, and we had some other things going on with the holiday, so I was not able to get to this as soon as I want to. I want to thank everyone again, though. As I just referenced, there were a lot of uh, listener emails this time, and I was had a lot of good options to choose from, and including one bad one, but... He's a close personal friend, so I'm going to let him have it. That email is ineptusastatus30k at gmail.com, and send me anything. I've talked with a couple of uh, fine folks who have questions about list building. I've given a little bit of advice on units to purchase, things to scratch build, and uh, one of those lists will be a topic of discussion for today. Let's start off with the first and worst question. Yes, Adam, I'm calling you out directly. What is the best legion... And why is it the Ultramarines? Okay, listen. So first of all, I want to make one distinction here. Now, for any 40k players who are coming over, Ultramarines have been the poster boys of the 40k universe since 8th edition launched. Probably longer, really, but at least since 8th edition launched. Um, And so they have, you know, a bad... They leave a bad taste in the mouths of some players in 30k just because of that because of that association and, you know, perceived plot armor or whatever else. I will say this, 30k Ultramarines are a very compelling legion. And if it weren't for the fact that I didn't that, I did already have a couple of friends who've done a great job painting up and building Ultramarine legions, I might consider building one myself. For those of you who like listening to the lore, I think No, No Fear, uh, which is the story of the attack on Kalth, is... I would put it at the top of my list of Horace Heresy novels, a top five easily. It's a fantastic, well-paced story. It's very engaging. And uh, there, are, there are a couple characters introduced in there that really make the Ultramarines seem more, more than just like insert generic Space Marine. Now that being said, there isn't a best Legion. They're all very interesting in their own way. And they have very different fluff that I think is designed to appeal to a lot of different people. Let this be said, if you are just getting into Horus Heresy, take the time and read about all the legions. Please do, because you will find something probably that you like that connects with you personally. Um, And all of the legions, well, I've already made it a habit of bashing on the Iron Hands, so I'll continue to do so. All of the legions, except for the Iron Hands, in my opinion, have uh, some interesting lore. But there are some that I don't connect with personally. One of those is the Raven Guard. I don't, I just don't, um, there are so many legions that have black power armor, and they're the ones that definitely fall to the farthest from what I care about, which is why, uh, teaser for next episode, we're going to have a guest on who is a uh, community member with uh, a lot of history. And a strong Raven Guard presence, who's going to talk to us a little bit about the Raven Guard and Recon Marines when we get to the end of our Line Troop series. The next question involves the new Kratos heavy tank that uh, came out with the release of the second edition. I just got a new Kratos, and I'm not exactly sure what to do with it. There are a bunch of different options, and I'm not sure which is best or how expensive the tank might end up getting. I want to start playing with Iron Warriors, and I might also play Night Lords, if that helps. Well, listener, it definitely does help. So first of all, I'm going to give just a general overview of the unit, and then we'll talk about how you might want to outfit it. Here's something to consider. All of your different legions and your different rites of war have ways that subtly affect different war gear options, abilities, whatever. So, I'm going to tell you how we might address the Kratos for this specific listener, but it might vary differently. And the other thing, too, is that you, I think you should go, go with flavor if you so choose. But anyway, let's take a look at the Legion Kratos. So, the squadron itself costs 300 points. The uh, movement is, it has a 10-inch movement, it has a 4 ballistic skill, it has a 14 armor on front, side, and rear, and it has 5 hull points. The composition, the unit composition, is one. Does come, it's a vehicle type, and it is reinforced, which is good, and we'll talk about that later. The war gear that it comes with stock. It has a turret-mounted Kratos battle cannon, which has both the AP and the HE shells. It has a coaxial-mounted autocannon. It has both front and left hull-mounted front heavy bolters. And it has two Sponson-mounted Heavy Bolters on the side. It also comes with Smoke Launchers. The only special rule that the vehicle has is Legionis Astartes, which means that it will benefit from your Legion special trait, which is important. Now, you can take up to one additional Legion Kratos tank. Now, there is, of course, the standard 15-point um, Squadron penalty. So the extra one is only 285 points. Uh, But still, it's a hefty investment. The reinforced rule is actually going to be very important on the Kratos. So the reinforced subtype, um, it applies the following rules. A model with the reinforced subtype ignores the effects of crew shaken on the vehicle damage table. And a model with reinforced subtype does not make snapshots due to the effects of crew stunned, but still cannot move or pivot. So as an explanation, um, when you are shooting at a vehicle, you... uh, if you hit, you take the strength of the gun. You add a D6 roll, usually, for the strength of the penetration. And if you tie or you, uh, you uh, go higher than the armor value of the vehicle, you've managed to punch through. So if a, a glance happens, then you just take a hull point off and it's nothing. Um, if you manage to make a penetrating hit, then you roll on the damage table. Now, you need to roll a 1 through a 3... ...to get a crew shaken, which means that the crew can only fire snapshots the following turn... ...which means you're uh, shooting at ballistic skill uh, one, which means you're hitting only on sixes. Um, on a four, you get crew stunned, which has the same effects as crew shaken, but the vehicle also cannot move. If you hit a five, you can destroy one of the weapons or armaments on the vehicle. If you get a six, you can immobilize the, the vehicle permanently... And if you get a seven or higher on the explodes chart, or on the uh, damage chart, then the the, the uh, thing is wrecked immediately and explodes. How do you get a How do you get a seven on a roll of a d six? Well, uh, different weapons with with very good AP values, so AP two or AP one, add either a plus one or a plus two to that roll. So Laz cannons, uh, melta weapons have a chance of actually just blowing up a vehicle in one shot. Now. That being said, um, one of the reasons why this Reinforced is so great is that for a majority of the uh, rolls that you can get on this vehicle chart, damage chart, that th- you're not going to have any higher effect on your Kratos than just taking off another hull point. So it just makes it much more durable and much more uh, gives you a much better chance to actually have effect in the following turn. So you're not, not worrying so much about it being unable to shoot, which is the whole reason you're bringing it. Okay, so there are so many guns on this thing that we're going to have to take it just a little bit at a time. So let's start with the main the main gun. Uh, the, the stock Kratos Battle Cannon is your turret-mounted, top-of-the-tank, big-boy gun. And it comes with AP and HE shells, and you can upgrade it for 10 points per model to also have flash burn shells. Um, now, you can swap out that Battle Cannon for a turret-mounted, Volkite Cardinal, or for a turret-mounted Melta Blast Gun for free. So, you can either upgrade 10 points to get the Flash Shells for your standard gun, or you can swap it out entirely for no additional points. So, assuming you like options, and you're going to take the Kratos Battle Cannon, and you're going to have access to the High Explosive Shells, the Armor Penetration Shells, and the Flash Burn Shells, the High Explosive Shells are range 36, they are strength 8, They are AP-4, it's a heavy one weapon, which doesn't matter because it's not a tank, and it's a large blast, five inch, uh, and it has pinning. So, this isn't bad. Um, It's not super common to see the five inch blast anymore. A lot of the uh, other weapons and vehicles that had uh, the five inch blasts um, got reduced down to the standard three inch blast, so this is nice. It does cause pinning, which is great. The one thing is that this only has an AP value of four, so all of your standard Marines are getting their regular saves. Now, against most Marines, it will cause instant death. So, I mean, if you're shooting at you know veterans or even Terminators, they roll, uh, fail their save, and they're they're done for. But they're going to get their full saves. The next option is the armor-piercing rounds, and those are strength eight, AP two, which is great. They're heavy two, and they have Sunder. So Sunder allows you to reroll armor penetration checks. So if you don't like the score that you're gonna get and you don't get a chance to glance or penetrate your target, you get a chance to to redo it. It is strength or AP two and strength eight. So if you shoot a Terminator, for example, you're gonna double them out and you're gonna cause instant death. If they fail their invulnerable save because they'll have to take an invulnerable save because of AP two. On top of that, AP two, means that you will be getting a plus one to the vehicle damage chart um, if you do manage to penetrate the vehicle you're shooting at. So you got a chance to explode the thing in one shot. Here is the problem. Well, there's lots of problems with this. One, it doesn't have that many shots. It's only, got, it's only a heavy two. So it's not quite enough shots to reliably take out really tough or thick inventory. It's only strength eight, so it doesn't have enough strength to reliably punch a hole in another Kratos or a Spartan or a Land Raider, and it's only got a thirty-six inch range, so it's kind of—I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's long range still, but it's not super long range. It is going to be effective against medium vehicles, but I'm not sure that that's what you want the Kratos for. The last option is the flash burn shell, and these only have a twenty-four inch range. They are strength 10, they do have AP 1 and heavy 1, they also have armor bane, so no matter what, you're rolling two dice on the armor penetration, so it's probably going to pen when it hits, but it also gets, has, gets hot. So, gets hot, if you roll a 1 on a, on a like a plasma gun or, or a vehicle, or I'm sorry, a weapon on infantry, then if you roll a 1, then the gun wounds you at the strength, and so you have to take a save. Against vehicles, if you roll a one to hit, then you roll another dice, and on a one or a two, your vehicle suffers a hull point. So, it's, you know, it's only heavy one, so you're not rolling tons of dice, so it's not necessarily super likely to come up, but there is a chance that instead of killing your opponent's vehicle, you're going to ping yourself. Also, this only has a 24-inch range, which means you do have to be relatively close for it. So... You know, it's it's a bit difficult to say uh, about this. Overall, I would say the Kratos Battle Cannon, um, even with the flashburn option, it's okay. It's not going to be super great at killing infantry. It's not going to be super great at killing really tough infantry or mast. It's not going to be super great at killing tough tanks. Um, so it's just sort of a middle-of-the-road pick. If you're likely investing 300-plus points on this thing, I'm not sure that you want to be going with this option for your, for your vehicle. The next option is the Volkite Cardinal, and remember this is a free side grade. Um, you don't have to pay any points to swap out your Battle Cannon for this. Full disclosure, I am a huge Volkite uh, fanboy. I love it. Um, the idea is like, like imagine Martian death ray lasers. And they have a special rule called deflagrate, which what it does is, if you successfully hit wound, and then your opponent fails an armor save from a deflagrate weapon, then you score an additional hit with that same weapon. So it's like my laser beam causes somebody to explode, and then the laser beam, you know, pops out and hits somebody else. And then you so auto hits, you roll a wound again, and they make another save. Not only it doesn't go on and on and on, but You can see how a lot of Volkite targeting a big infantry squad can suddenly have, like, just tons and tons of dead opponents. It's pretty awesome. So the Volkite Cardinal has a 45-inch range, because Volkite always has uh, weird ranges. 45 inches, Strength 7, AP 5, Heavy 12. It has Deflagrate, and it has Pinning. Okay, this is fun. So Strength 7... Uh, means that you are going to be wounding all of the standard infantry on twos and even any random souped-up infantry uh, on twos as well because there are a couple of, you know, like, possessed marines or stuff like that's going to come out, probably demons, that'll have toughness five or maybe six. So it, you're wounding, going to be wounding on twos or maybe threes. It's AP five, so most stuff is going to get an armor save. So that's going to happen. You have 12 shots with this thing and deflagrate so you're gonna hit quite a few times you roll all of those wounds and then you know you force your opponent to make massed saves they're going to fail a couple of those saves and then you get a chance for additional bonus failures which is so awesome and the best part is it has pinning which totally makes sense because if you're getting choom choom choomed from a giant like space laser that's causing all your buddies to explode it's going to make you want to sit down and think about your life choices but regardless I love this vehicle, or I'm sorry, I love this option. Now, strength seven, it means that it is not, 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 not going to be very effective at taking out any heavy tanks whatsoever. So don't even think about it. Um, It's not going to be good for that sort of thing. You can still probably um, plink, you know, uh, medium chassis vehicles like rhinos, predators, like you've got a shot to doing it, but it won't be that effective. This is mostly about killing mass masses of infantry the last uh, option is the melta blast gun which again is a side grade so you don't have to pay any additional points for this it is a range 36 inches strength eight which is standard for melta ap1 heavy four with armored bane melta okay armor bane melta means that it does get to roll two dice for armor penetration so long as you are within half range um, the Melta blast Gun has a range of 36 inches. You can totally get within or right at 18 inches with this thing if you want to pop something. So it's definitely uh, possible. You're also getting four shots, which is great. And because it is an AP-1 weapon, that means that when you do manage to penetrate your opponent's armor you get a plus two on your roll. So now a five or a six on a D six on a vehicle damage chart means a destroyed or wrecked vehicle. You got four shots to do that. So th- this is a pretty effective, like this is the, the most effective, most consistent vehicle killer um, option that you're going to have. It is no additional points as well. You can buy those flash burn shells, you know, for the, the battle cannon, But it's an additional 10 points, and as we're going to talk in a minute, you might want or be happier spending those points to upgrade something else. If you want to kill uh, vehicles with this this tank, if you're taking a Kratos because you want to kill other um, heavy-bodied, heavy-armor vehicles, then this is probably the most efficient option. Ultimately, if you are looking to uh, take out infantry, you're probably looking at the Vulcite instead. You can take the Battle Cannon. I think personally that it is perhaps, despite the fact that it has more options um, and you have the chance to choose, because having multiple shell types means that in the moment you can decide what it is that you want to fire. But despite those options and those freedoms, which I normally rate very high, because neither of those choices um, or any of those choices really do a super efficient job of doing what they want to do, I, I would say just pick a job with this tank and stick with it. So blast, melt a blast gun or Volkite, in my opinion. So the next things to talk about are the hull mounted, the hull front mounted heavy bolters. You have one on the left side and the right side of the main gun, and they can both be replaced as well. The, uh, they both have to be the same thing. So you get three options, well, four options. You can leave them at heavy bolters, um, you can upgrade them to both to mounted Volkite calibers for five points a model. Now that's both for five points. Um, you can replace them both for mounted auto cannons at ten points a model. Again, ten points to get two auto cannons instead of two heavy bolters, or for twenty-five points per model, you can replace both heavy bolters with las cannons. Now Volkite calibers are range thirty inches strength 6, AP 5, heavy 3, and deflagrate. So they got the same rule that the big gun we talked about before has. It does not cause pinning, but it still puts out 3 shots apiece at 30 inches of range. Um, Now remember, this is only a 5-point upgrade to take both of these. And even though it's 5 points, I'm not sure about this one entirely. Well, heavy bolters have a 36-inch range. They are strength 5, so they lose 1 strength. They have AP four, so they gain one AP, and they have four shots. They don't have deflagrate, but you see that it's it's an improvement in a couple of ways, but you do lose a shot. Now, the deflagrate is pretty potent and has the ability to cause additional casualties, and it's only five point a model. I would consider taking this um, if you were going for an anti-infantry look. If you were going to think about it's between heavy, if the choice is between heavy bolter and and um, Volkite, then I would say the Volkite is a little bit better, especially for only five points. Now, for 10 points, you can exchange both of those heavy bolters for an autocannon. Auto cannons have 48 inches of range. They are strength seven, they are AP four, they're heavy two, and they are rending six plus. So let's take a second and read the rending rule because rending is present on both melee weapons and shooting weapons. So, rending. If a model has the rending special rule or is attacking with a melee weapon that has the rending special rule, there is a chance that their close combat attacks will strike a critical blow. For each two wound roll equal to or higher than the value listed, in our case is six plus, the target automatically suffers a wound regardless of toughness. The controlling player may choose to resolve these wounds at AP two instead of the normal AP value. Similarly, if a model makes a shooting attack with a weapon that has the rending special rule, a two wound roll equal to or greater than the listed value wounds automatically regardless of toughness and is resolved at AP2. Okay, so it can negate normal armor saves. In either case, against vehicles, each armor penetration roll of equal to or greater than the listed value allows a further D3 to be rolled with the results added to the total strength of the attack. These hits are not resolved at AP2, but are instead resolved at the weapon's AP value. So for any confused about why that AP change, the idea is that I think that they don't, they want to have an uh, autocannon and other similar weapons should have a chance to punch through armor that is much tougher than it would normally be expected to hurt. But AP2 does technically allow you to... Blow up vehicles and I don't think they want auto cannon mass auto cannon fire being able to do that So that's why the change is there the Kratos can take two auto cannons instead So you again, you're losing a shot you're down two shots from the heavy bolter, but here you're now very clearly in the realm of potentially uh, Being anti-tank as well or definitely light tank. So auto cannon is definitely a tempting choice uh, two of those for 10 points a model, it's it's definitely worth considering. The last option is the last cannon. It has a range of 48 inches, strength 9, AP2, heavy 1, and sunder. Sunder, of course, is the re-roll failed armor penetration checks. So this is 25 points for two of these. And, you know, last cannons are very effective at peeling wounds, uh, or peeling, I'm sorry, hull points off of vehicles. And also because of the AP2, it does have a chance to just destroy a vehicle. The question is whether or not you want to spend 25 points on this. It's a real toss-up, but um, it's, I guess, maybe worth considering. The one one thing to think about is the fact that, well, we're going to talk about other upgrades for the Kratos in a minute, and you're going to want to spend points on some of these defensive upgrades as well, so I'm not necessarily sure that spending all these points on extra guns is what you're going to be wanting to do, but it's worth considering. Now, on the sides, you do have the option of taking your Sponson-Mounted Heavy Bolters and swapping them out for free for two Sponson-Mounted Heavy Flamers, uh, which are Strength 5, AP 4, and Template Weapons, which, I mean, you know, if you're concerned about this thing getting mobbed by inventory, it's not a terrible choice for free. Two Sponson-Mounted Volkite Culverins for plus 15 points per model. Now, this is interesting because Volkite Culverins are actually considerably better then Volkite calibers, and they are. It's important to note they are different guns. For plus fifteen points, what are you buying? You are buying forty-five inch range, strength six, AP five, heavy five, deflagrate. So you're pumping out five shots at strength six, which will wound on twos against normal infantry, and the deflagrate option, which is which is pretty cool. It's a lot. Uh, the last thing you can do, of course, is for an additional twenty-five points, take 2 sponson spanton-mounted last cannons. So same thing as what we've seen before. The Kratos may also take one of the following: you can take a pintle-mounted twin-linked bolter for five points. You can make a pin- take a pintle-mounted combi weapon of any type for ten points. You can take a pintle-mounted heavy bolter. My favorite hilarious choice is you can take a pintle-mounted heavy flamer for five. You can take a pintle mounted multi-melta for 20 points or a pintle mounted Havoc launcher for 15 points. Um, I don't personally rate any of these choices, to be honest with you. If you have extra points, you might consider adding some of them. The the multi-melta at 20 points seems appealing um, until you think about the fact that to make the multi-melta super effective, you have to be in 12 inches of range. That might happen. You might scoot your guy up the scoot your Kratos up the, the field and, and see that happen, but you might not. I'm not sure that I would spend any of the points on this. Part of the reason why I don't think I would spend any of the points here is because I'm starting to get paranoid about how expensive this tank is. and there are a couple of options for the tank in general that I think are better. So you can take one hull front mounted hunter killer missile for five points. you can take a flare shield for 50 points per model. You can take Searchlights for 5 points or a Dozer Blade for 10. Okay, I feel like the Dozer Blade will be an auto-include. Uh, the Dozer Blade is going to have give you additional chances and options to avoid being immobilized when you run over difficult terrain. You will inevitably, with a tank this large, have to move it through or around some difficult terrain, and the first time you roll a 1 on your difficult terrain check, and need this dozer blade, you're going to be very, very happy uh, that you bought it. Plus, the dozer blade on this model looks great. It's like this giant spiky ram thing. The other option is the flare shield. That's really This is really good, too. 50 points is a lot, but what it does is it reduces the strength of any ranged weapons coming at you from the front of your vehicle by one. This makes LAS cannons considerably less effective, Against you from across the field having them be strength eight means that they can only glance you on a six uh, Which means that they're not going to be able to blow you up They're gonna have to ping you to death and you've got five hull points on these Kratos tanks So the higher the hull points the more the halt the flare shield seems to be value valued um, 50 points is worth considering for this the searchlights five points a model night fighting is insane the inability to target anything past 24 inches. If you are going to bring a vehicle like this and load it up with as many guns as you probably are going to want to do, five points to have the ability to target something with your searchlight and ignore that range restriction from night fighting seems like an easy, simple bargain. Now... The one downside of the searchlight is that everything can shoot back at you. So maybe instead of putting the searchlight on this vehicle, maybe you put it on something else, and that's your sacrificial searchlight model. But five points, you know, if you don't have one anywhere else in your army, the five points here is definitely worth it. Now, the hunter-killer missile in general is just kind of interesting. It's a 48-inch range, strength-8 AP-3, heavy one, one one-shot weapon. So it's a crack missile coming out of a missile launcher from a generic space Marine, it's only one shot, but it's only five points. So, I mean, you can, you can just shoot that off and have an additional chance for one more, uh, hull point off of something. Or, you know, if you're trying to target difficult to kill Marines, I suppose you could do that. It's, it's worth considering. It's only five points. I would see something like this is like not necessarily an auto take, but if you're at a point in your list where you're seeing, you know, oh, I'm at 2994 points what am i supposed to do with this Eh, you know an extra missile shot can't hurt anything so the last thing to consider after looking at the options is to think about how the vehicle is going to move on the table and then how it's going to try to target whatever it's looking at so vehicles when moving have there's different variations that can impact their ability to fire at full capacity or not so any vehicle that is stationary can shoot all of its guns no matter what. A vehicle that goes at combat speed, which is half, no more than half, of its movement speed. So for us, the Kratos, this would be no more than five inches. It can shoot all of its regular guns. Now, if any of these weapons were ordnanced, that would change, uh, or destroyer. But for our purposes, none of these are, so we don't have to worry about that. At cruising speed, then if you're going more than that, you know, more than five inches then you can, you can move a single weapon without modifiers and then any other weapons as snapshots. So you're just hitting on sixes with the rest of them. So that, you know, that changes things a little bit probably because depending on how much you're going to want to move this thing or need to reposition it, you might not get to take all of your shots at full ballistic skill at certain points in the game. Now, the other thing that can affect this is firing arcs. So you're gonna have your main gun which ha- is mounted, um, which is mounted up on top, turret mounted, and you can fire any direction because the turret can swivel in any direction. So no matter where you are in the battlefield, your turret can turn and shoot at that at that target. Your front mounted heavy bolters, which can be upgraded to either volkites or Laz cannons, can only shoot in your front arc. So like in directly directly in front of yourself, of, of, your, of your vehicle. The sponsons have sort of a unique uh, special rule where they have a range of motion on the sides of the vehicle. But in addition, sponsons have an option to allow them to shoot additional targets. So when you are choosing a target for your tank, generally the rule is that all of these guns must target the same thing. So whatever you're going to shoot the main gun at is where everything else is going to go as well. The only time this is different is if the vehicle is positioned in a way that one of the side sponsons on the side of the vehicle can't see that target. And in that case, the sponson is free to shoot at something else. So you can actually be clever about how you choose your target and get a chance to ping something else with like, one las cannon, or you know, five volkite shots, if that's what you're wishing to do. Now, this creates a little bit of negative synergy because that means you're positioning yourself probably towards a target that can shoot back at you, and your front hull facing, and you're then, as such, your flare shield might not be pointed in the right way. But you know, you've got choices here. So this is where you know, I guess, as the saying goes, the rubber hits the road. Now you have to start thinking about what you want to do, and what options are the best for that considering. So let's say we're gonna look at the Kratos for anti-tank options, presuming then we're gonna go with the Melta Gun because I think that's the best anti-tank option for this weapon. So if you're going to do that, you're looking at your additional options. The hull-mounted, front-mounted vehicles, you are not going to want to upgrade those to uh, Volkite. Why? Because if you're planning on shooting at tanks with this main gun then very likely that those guns also are going to be shooting at tanks you're probably looking at either auto cannons or las cannons you might upgrade to the las cannons for a bit of extra oomph but i'm not necessarily sure you'd want to do that auto cannons are still going to be pretty effective at punching through or having a chance at least to rend armor the question is is an additional 15 points worth putting las cannons on that thing I think I would go with auto cannons in this in this case just to keep the cost of the tank down. Now on the side sponsons, maybe this is a little bit different. Your side sponsons are going to have the opportunity to shoot other targets potentially if you uh you know you get the get the the thing positioned in a way where you can't see with both. So is this the place where maybe it's more appropriate to spend 25 points for those two last cannons? Maybe. Uh, in this way, you can, you know, have one last cannon take a pot shot at some other vehicle across the table. Now, as far as sponsons go, last cannons, I think, are actually pretty good. Uh, one, like, you know, one Volkite Colbrin is going to throw five shots into a squad of random dudes. One last cannon has a chance, a decent one, to just destroy and remove a vehicle, so last cannon sponsons are at least worth considering. It is expensive. Do you have the points in your list? Well, maybe consider it, because like I said, having that ability to shoot multiple targets and just the chance to just out of the blue remove a vehicle. And you know, it doesn't have to be something huge. It could just be like a rhino or a or a predator or a, you know something like that, a saber, something. Um, it it's worth it's worth considering. So let's take a look at what kind of monster we've made. The base Kratos is 300 points, presuming we take the free melt blast gun. And then we also take the autocannons for 10 points, the sponsons for 25. Then we're going to take the flare shield and the Ineptus Astartes recommended dozer blade. We're looking at a, a tank that is 395 points. But That's 95 points of upgrades on this vehicle. Now, is this a good idea? You know, maybe. Uh... The flare shield probably is is a safe bet. Uh, maybe you don't consider uh, upgrading the sponsons at all. Maybe you just take this thing for its initial firepower, and uh, you know whatever your, the additional weapons on the side do is what they're able to do. I I think that the Kratos in this regard might be a little bit too expensive uh, to make it a to make it a, a dedicated anti tank weapon. Um, At least if you're going to upgrade the other things. Now, if you just take the the Melta alone, it's still going to be pretty effective. And here's why. The Kratos also has a coaxial mounted autocannon. So that is going to be an autocannon that is attached to your main gun. So coaxial weapons have a unique and pretty special rule. Where so long as the coaxial weapon, the autocannon in this case, lands a hit on whatever it is you're shooting at then the other gun attached, which is in this case your Melta Blast Cannon, gets to re-roll misses. So think about that for a quick second. You can re-roll misses with this Heavy 4 Super Melta Gun. That alone, uh, absent any gun upgrades, is a really effective tank killer. And so maybe you don't consider taking anything on the side other than the Flare Shield and the Dozer Blade if you're going to be using the Melta Gun. I can't recommend the dozer blade enough. The flare shield, uh, I, I'd like to see it with or without. There's a part of me that says, take it take it off and just let the, the 14 armor ride on its own and see what happens. See if you can manage to keep it alive for a couple turns without. But the dozer blade, yes. And then maybe just let it be as it is and just see what happens. So the silly thing is then to think about the anti-infantry option, which is supposed to be cheaper, but a Kratos at 300 points, swapping out for the Volkite Cardinal for free, adding the Volkite Culvers for five points, adding the Volkite Culverins on the Sponsons for 15 points, and then still picking up the Flare Shield and the Dozer Blade is, is still 380 points. So it's not that much cheaper from uh, the other loadout. It's just it's just really not that much cheaper. If you wanted to stick with dedicated anti-inventory, you might just upgrade the turret, or not even upgrade the turret, actually, because heavy bolters all over the place aren't necessarily bad. You're still putting out quite a lot of quality shots. You still have the coaxial um, uh, autocannon, which can help you get rerolls on those 12 Volkite shots, which is just fantastic. Um, I-, I definitely would take the Dozerblade, maybe on the maybe the Fuller sheet as well. You could take this thing and be a pretty effective anti-infantry model for only 310 points, or maybe 330, somewhere around there. It, that might be worth it. And then just, you know, save the 50 points from the flare shield and see if you can put it some to good use somewhere else. Now, to get back to it, our listener asked specifically about Iron Warriors and Night Lords. I've considered taking a Kratos with the Volkite Cardinal on my Iron Warriors. And here's why. Strength seven is not very good for anti-tank, but Iron Warriors do have the Legion ability to add plus one strength to targeted attacks that go against, you know, dreadnoughts, automata, buildings, vehicles. So this becomes a heavy 12 strength eight gun with Iron Warriors. And that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. You can plink wounds off of even big vehicles with something like that, you can still do the job of going anti infantry or going by anti infantry, but you can also take little nibbles out of big tanks as well. That makes the synergy of adding auto cannons now they're strength eight auto cannons as well. You know, I guess strength seven Volkite calibers. You know, if you're just trying to uh, take out medium vehicles or chunk off big ones. I would consider doing that. I would say auto cannons and think about the volkite Culverins on the side for a, an iron warrior's version of this vehicle, or maybe skip the uh, skip the sponsons altogether, save the points. But I would definitely auto upgrade those auto cannons because the auto cannons are very likely going to shoot at the same thing. Well, they have to shoot at the same thing that the, the main gun is shooting at. Uh, if you position the vehicle in a way so that the front arc is facing against the thing that's scariest to you, then you are going to have that flare shield as an additional way to help you. So I would consider going that route. You could also do the Melta gun and have a strength 9 Melta, which is really awesome as well. But again, man, I love Volkite. I'm going to have a hard time not putting the Volkite on this thing if I get one for myself. Nightlords are a little bit trickier. Nightlords <laughs> Lords have the ability, I'm just thinking about the cost of this, So, a talent for murder, when you outnumber the opponent that you're shooting at, or you're shooting at something that is, you know, pinned or falling back, you get a plus one on your wound or your armor penetration roll. So, uh, if you're able to shoot at something that is pinned, you know, an infantry squad that's pinned, you get an additional plus one to wound, which you don't typically need for any of the weapons that we're talking about in most situations. Plus one armor penetration could be sort of interesting, but the problem with that is the fact that the Kratos, as a vehicle, it counts as 10 models. If you're shooting at another vehicle, it also counts as 10 models. So in order to outnumber, you need a second Kratos in your squadron. Now, do you want to use two Kratos? Well then, that's a a way to do it. I don't know that I'd recommend it. That's a huge chunk of your army and two tanks. It'd be hilarious, but... If you were to go that crazy route, then yeah, I could see you actually running two Volkites and just sort of getting an additional plus one on your armor penetration. And again, doing the same thing that the Iron Warriors are doing with just one. Or you could just do the standard thing and take the melt gun and, you know, uh, bank on those coaxial autocannons, helping you get rerolls to hit, and then just having one additional strength. That being said, the other funny thing is, and at least at the time of the recording, I have not found an answer to this question, one of the big things that Nightlord players wondered about going into this edition, based especially after looking at leaks and whatnot, how many models is a Dreadnought? As of right now, I think a Dreadnought only counts as one model as far as outnumbering purposes. So Nightlords have an easy time outnumbering Dreadnoughts, which are very big, scary monsters in this edition. One tank very easily outnumbers a Dreadnought. So your Volkite also gets a plus one to wound against a dreadnought, which is kind of cool i guess just something to think about in conclusion i would say basically any option that you go with of either the the volkite or the melta as a main gun there's definitely applications for both i think universally powerful um probably the melta blast gun Uh, Just because of the synergy that the coaxial autocannon is going to have with it, the unique strength of that gun and the range of it, there's not really a better Melta option out there. And Melta is pretty much king right now, at least in this edition, because you don't have any way to uh, you don't have any way except for one vehicle in the new the newly released stuff, which we'll talk about that eventually. Nothing has a way to get rid of the Melta rules as of yet, so you're getting that armor bane very consistently and at nice range. So. The only thing that I would say is that I don't think the blast or the battle cannon that comes stock on the vehicle is is worth it. I think either other options are better and they're free. You don't have to pay for that upgrade. So it's definitely sort of a no-brainer that you're going to pick one of, those, one of those ideas for your Kratos and then you're going to push them towards that. And thank you so much for the question. I think I got like 25 minutes out of this one thing. So well done. Okay, so now we're getting back to our series from last time, talking about line troop choices that are available to all legions regardless of affiliation and whatever else. There are, of course, other options and other you know squads that can be taken as, le- as line choices depending on right of war. But here are the, the uh, next two of five that are available to everybody. And we'll start with the Legion Breacher squad. The Legion Breacher Squad is 155 points. They have the standard Marine line, which is Movement 7, Weapon Skill 4, Ballistic Skill 4, Strength 4, Toughness 4, 1 Wound, Initiative 4, 1 Attack, Leadership 7 and 3+. They do have a Sergeant. The Sergeant gets 1 additional leadership and 1 additional attack. The unit composition is 9 Breachers and 1 Sergeant for 155 points. Their standard war gear is a bolter, a bolt pistol, a boarding shield, which is a shield that gives a 5 plus invulnerable save. They have basic power armor. They have frag grenades, crack grenades, and breacher charges. Breacher charges are a grenade that can be used against uh, fortifications and buildings. They're strength 10, AP 2. It is too bad that breacher charges can't be used against dreadnoughts because I think it would be very funny to see a bunch of very slow-moving Breacher Marines trying to chase Contemptors around the board. But nevertheless, well, that moment's lost to us. Uh, the unit type, Legion Breachers have infantry, and they are heavy, and they have line. And Legion Breachers Sergeants have heavy, line, and character. They have no special rules other than the legionis Astartes, which means that they do, of course, get access to your special Legion rules, but they don't get any other special treats. Now, the heavy subtype does have some additional benefits uh, and also some hindrances. So, a unit with heavy that has only models with the heavy subtype may reroll failed armor saves against template and blast weapons, and a unit that includes any models with a heavy subtype may not run when making a movement during a reaction based on its initiative characteristic reduce the distance moved by one. So a couple things to point out here. This means this uh, this rule about only models of the heavy subtype means that you cannot add additional models to this unit without giving them a boarding shield as well and keep that armor reroll. That's one of the main reasons you're going to take these uh, models is to have that reroll against template or blast weapons. Historically, breachers show up mostly in zone mortalis games, closed corridors, stuff like that and their ability to soak template fire is one of the main reasons for taking them. They're more durable because of the invulnerable save, and they also get to reroll failed saves. This is something that you wanna make sure you don't lose by adding additional characters to their unit, so look out for that. A squad of no more than 10 of these can take a Legion Termite Assault Drill or a Legion Land Raider Proteus Carrier as a dedicated transport. Interestingly enough, they can't take a Rhino as a dedicated transport. Um, Standard rule for dedicated transports, it does not use an additional Force Org chart, but its point cost must still be paid for, and of course, they have to start in it at the start of the game. Adding additional models, every additional Breacher is 15 points per, and you can have up to 10 more, so you could have squads of 20 of these. One Legion Breacher may take a Nuncio Vox for 10 points, a Light Legion Vexilla for 10 points, or an Augury Scanner for 10 points. Similar to what we talked about before with tactical squads and with the spoiler squads, probably the Vaxilla is something to consider an auto-take. And depending on what you outfit these guys with, probably the Augury Scanner as well. Because any model in the unit may exchange its bolter for a Volkite Charger for plus two points. Now, Volkite Chargers are the itty-bitty friends of the Volkite family. The smallest before you get to pistol... Uh, but they are 15-inch range, Strength 5, AP 5, Assault 2, and deflagrate. Deflagrate we talked about to death already, so I don't need to talk about that. These being Assault 2 weapons means that if you need to charge something with your Breachers, you can fully fire with all of these guns. And at Strength 5, wounding on a 3-plus is pretty darn good. The 15-inch range means that you're obviously going to need to be pretty close to do the shooting, but you know, for only two points a model, it's a pretty decent little upgrade. Now, one of the things that I strongly pushed as an option in the last episode about tactical marines was the inclusion of chain bayonets. Well, Volkites cannot take chain bayonets and boarding shields cannot be used in conjunction with two-handed weapons, which chain bayonets are. So you're not thinking about that option regardless. So you're not... You're not losing out too much or you're not spending too many more points by instead just giving all these guys bulk heights. So it's sort of an even wash as far as the upgrades are concerned. In addition, for every five models in the unit, one Legion Breacher may exchange their Bolter for a Flamer for five points, a melt gun for 15, a Graviton Gun for 15, or a Laz Cutter for 20. So taking those options one at a time, the Flamer for 5 points is an attractive option. The template guarantees auto-hits. It's Strength 4, AP 5. If you're using these on the standard Zone Mortalis board, templates get stronger. So it's definitely worth considering, and it's not much more expensive. You're talking 10 points for two pretty nice additional weapons in a 10-man squad. Melta guns are 15 points. They are uh, Strength 8, AP 1, 12-inch range, um, and they do have the armor bane melta rule. I don't rate the melta guns too much on these squads for, for just the reason that the melta guns are very short range. They do have armor bane, but you have to be within six inches to get it. And for 15 points, I'm not sure what um, what guaranteed benefit you're going to get for these. You have to be really close. You could drive right up out of your uh, termite or your land raider, hop out and shoot this gun. And that might be kind of cool. But unless the rest of your models are upgraded, um, you're not going to charge out of the land raider, which kind of wastes the land raider's potential. And like I said, you got to be real, real, real close. Another option which is, I think, maybe a little bit more interesting but has its own drawbacks and problems is the Graviton gun. The Graviton gun is... 18-inch range, has no real strength value because it wounds according to the Graviton Pulse rule. It's AP-4, um, but it is a Heavy-1, Blast-3, Concussive-1, and Haywire weapon. So let's talk about all those different rules. So Heavy-1 means that this weapon has to be stationary to be fired. Uh, breachers do not have any abilities natively that allow them to move and fire heavy weapons at full ballistic skill so you're going to want to have these out placed and shooting it is a three inch blast template so it does have a chance of hitting more than one target and in particular uh, because of the graviton rule graviton pulse rule it does something else as well graviton pulse the rules for this say that instead of rolling to wound normally with this weapon any non-vehicle model that suffers a hit from a weapon with this special rule must instead roll under their strength on a d6 or suffer a wound. A roll of six always counts as a failure. If a graviton pulse weapon also has the blast type, then leave the blast marker in place after resolving all wounds or otherwise mark the area. This area now counts as both difficult terrain and dangerous terrain until the end of the next game turn. Okay, so by rolling under your strength, a standard marine needs to roll of one two or three to avoid being wounded now because the AP is only four all marines are going to get standard armor saves The most interesting thing here for me is the fact that after this marker is placed You leave a marker on the table and there is a three inch bubble now That is both difficult and dangerous terrain and that lasts until the end of the next game turn difficult terrain is already going to be common on your board um, it can be anything from rubble, woods, ruins, other obstacles on the board, basically anything that you and your opponent decide is, but largely terrain features that, an, that a, a Marine would have to like hop over, run through, wade through, whatever. You generally count that as difficult terrain. So moving through difficult terrain... Imp- uh, applies a negative two modifier to your movement for that turn so if you shoot somebody with this thing and any part of a unit has to move through it that whole unit is moving two inches slower so even if you just fire this off at a squad of marines and you fail to cause any wounds whatsoever you're still going to restrict the movement of that squad by two inches and that is not nothing okay that blast marker also counts as dangerous terrain the effects of which come into effect as soon as the model enters difficult terrain or dangerous terrain, leaves difficult, dangerous terrain, or moves within it. They have to take an immediate dangerous terrain test. So for every model, you roll a d6, and on a 1, that model suffers a wound. No armor save, cover save, or damage mitigation may be taken against that wound. You can still take invulnerable saves. So this means that you shoot at some, some people... Okay, you fail to do anything in your shooting phase. However, if they're standing on the blast marker at the start of their turn, when they move or do anything, now they have to take a dangerous terrain test. And for standard Marines who have no vulnerable save, you just roll a D6 and on a one, they're just gone. They don't get a save, they don't get anything. So you have a real chance to do serious, serious damage um, even after the regular shooting. But in my opinion, that's not even the best part about this gun. The last rule as affects the Graviton gun is Haywire. When a weapon with a special rule hits a model with the vehicle, dreadnought, or automata type, roll a D6 to determine the effect rather than rolling to wound, or for armor penetration normally. AP has no effect on this roll, okay? You roll a 1, no effect. On a 2 through a 5, the vehicle, or whatever the automata or dread suffers a glancing hit um, or a, a wound. No, only invulnerable saves or damage mitigation rolls may be taken against these wounds. It automatically negates all armor. And if you happen to roll a six, the vehicle takes a penetrating hit or dreadnoughts and automata suffer a wound and they can't take saves or damage mitigation rolls of any kind against it. Okay. Okay. The big scary, I think, of this edition is going to be Dreadnoughts. They are very cheap. Their movement to wounds instead of armor value means that you can't simply get a lucky shot with a melt gun or a Last Cannon to take them down. They have base 5 weapon skill, so it's not reliable to just beat them down in combat unless you have another high weapon skill unit. So haywire becomes a really interesting, uh, option for taking wounds off of dreadnoughts. Now a haywire gun at 18 inches range, you can stand your breachers in a way that like on an objective, you can take probably at least, well, if you're lucky two shots with this thing before your dreadnought gets to you, uh, your opponent's dreadnought gets to you. And that's nothing, that's nothing to sniff at. Uh, It's definitely an option that seems appealing to me, 100%, in my opinion, better than the Melta Gun, because while the Melta Gun does have the option to destroy a vehicle in one go, if you happen to get within six inches, the Grav Gun has a lot more uh, utility. You've got a lot lot wider range to shoot at it from, and I think that's definitely the way to go if you were going to give them one of these options. The last option, which I think is more funny than anything else, is the Laz cutter. Uh, it's twenty points, uh, strength seven, AP one, melee, unwieldy and cumbersome. Which means that you only get one attack with it. You strike an initiative one. It is strength seven. It is AP one. So, I mean, you'll cut doors down really well. It, it's it's sillier. It's 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 not good. It's a melee weapon, so you can't you have to be base to base with something. It's not particularly going to be good against dreadnoughts. Strength 7 isn't reliable enough to guarantee a wound. It's just a little bit silly, but it's there, so we got to talk about it. As before, your sergeant can take a combi weapon, the magna combi for 10 points and the minor combi for 5. The sergeant can take one of the following options: a chainsword for 5 points, a power weapon for 10, a, a, a power fist for 15, a lightning claw for 15, or a thunder hammer for 20. Uh, they can also take a plasma pistol in exchange for their bolt pistol for 10 points, and they can have artificer armor for 10, and then melt bombs for 10 points as well. So let's take a look at how we might outfit this squad. 155 points base for 10. We're going to give them a Vaxilla and an Augury Scanner. Uh, we're going to give them two Graviton guns for 30 points a piece. We're going to give the Breacher Sergeant a Power Fist for 15 and Artificer Armor for 10, and that comes to 230 points. Yikes. That's a lot for 10 models. Now, uh, instead of the Graviton guns, let's say instead we chose to give all of them, uh, Volkai Chargers for two points a model, so it's 220 points. Yikes. Still quite a bit. So why would I build them like this? Well, I like the idea of an Augri scanner allowing me to shoot and uh, intercept a unit with Graviton guns. Again, I'm gonna presume that a lot of Deep Strike this edition is going to be about trying to get units into melee, and so providing a template that reduces the charge distance by two inches when they come in sounds pretty powerful to me. Now, if I was gonna go all Volkites, I may or may not bother with an augury scanner as they'd need to be within 15 inches of me to do anything i suppose if i'm facing opponents who i know are going to be charging me they're going to try to drop in within that range so maybe it's worth it it's important to note that no matter what interceptor does not cause morale checks of any kind so no matter how much shooting you're going to do you're just trying to remove some of the bodies that are going to come after you you're not going to be able to impose any leadership penalties on them however slowing them down from their charge that's pretty darn good I'm going to take the Vexilla because I don't want any of my squads running away this edition, and that's going to happen way, way, way more often. I'm going to be giving my Sergeant a Power Fist probably because I am scared of Dreadnoughts, and that's one of the only ways that a Sergeant has a chance of really doing anything to a Dreadnought. But beyond that, you know, this is a very, very pricey unit. 220, 230 points is a lot. When you consider that before basic upgrades, 20... Tactical Marines are 200 points. Uh, You realize that there's a a very, very big difference in the number of models that you're going to put on the board. Tactical Marines do more or less the same job that Breachers want to do, but they do it a lot cheaper. Now, Tactical Marines do not get the options for additional special shooting weapons like Breachers do. So one squad of breachers with grav guns, if you just want to do some uh, anti-deep strike shenanigans or mess with some dreadnoughts, not necessarily a bad idea. Are they good enough uh, or special enough to build your entire force around? I would say in most situations, not. The question, though, becomes when you're looking at these things, breachers do have heavy and they do have 5 plus invulnerable save. So how much more durable are they than the standard tactical marine, and is that cost point justified? So without further ado, it's math time. Math time. Welcome to math time, what will probably be a very rare and inconsistent adventure on this podcast, considering how bad I am at it and how long it took me to do these numbers for myself. So we're talking about breachers, and we're also talking about tactical marines, uh, and we're going to take a look at how well they do in different situations based upon, you know, ludicrous amounts of fire. But Basically just try to see how long can they survive and what does that tell us? What does that mean? So for all of these examples, we're presuming a couple different things. Um, roughly the same amount of points. 245 points is 15 tacticals with a Vexilla and an Augury scanner, just because we're considering that essential work gear. We're going to give them all chain bayonets, and then we're going to attach attach an Apothecary. For this segment, I'm ignoring Veteran Sergeant Upgrade uh, just because it complicates the saves and whatnot. Uh, For that same amount of points, roughly, 250 points, uh, 10 Breachers with Vexilla and Augury, plus their Grav Guns, which we're going to give them, and then also an Apothecary. So there are five more tacticals in the squad and some more gear differences, but other than that, relatively similar. So, taking a look at that, 200 bolt shells, which I don't know if you're ever going to see 200 bolt shells fired in one turn, but 200 bolt shells fired. Uh, 66% chance from a standard Marine to hit the target. Of those, 50% will wound successfully, and of those that wound, 33% will fail. After that, and after you factor in the 5-plus feel-no-pain that both squads have, that is going to result in uh, 15 dead Marines, 14.87 or some such. So that means that 200 bolt sh- shells will kill a 15-man tactical squad. Now, it will only take 150 to get over, on average, 10.8 failed saves, and failed feel-no-pains on a breacher squad. So for 50 less be- uh, shots, uh, the 10-man breacher squad is going to be removed. Uh, and so that in this case against Bolterfire, clearly the tactical marines are the better overall investment for your game. It's worth pointing out that the tactical marines are even heartier if they are within 6 inches of an objective because they're heart of the legion rule, which breachers don't get access to says that they get an additional plus one to their feeling of pains if they're within six inches. So they become even tougher to kill. It takes even more than 200 bolt shells to kill 15 Marines with a tactical or with an apothecary if they are standing near or on an objective. Well, that's just bolters. What about hardier stuff? What about heavier stuff? I'm glad you asked. So let's say that 40 plasma shots are coming at both of our squads. Plasma took a big hit this edition, and it definitely shows in these numbers because it takes quite a bit of firepower to kill both of these squads. 40 plasma shots will hit 66% of the time, coming from standard Marines. Of those, roughly half will roll a 4 or a higher, which causes a breach, which means that the hit is going to be resolved at AP2. So right away, 13 breaches against both of our squads. After that, what's remaining, there will be roughly eight saves, which were regular armor saves that both squads get to take. Now, because the Breachers actually have an invulnerable save, their 13 Breaches are going to be reduced to roughly around nine failed invulnerable saves, which then will go to the Feel No Pain. But it results in eight dead Breachers, on average, and ten dead tactical Marines. So in this situation, neither squad is actually wiped. The tactical marines do take more casualties, but consider this. The tactical marines are 50% less expensive per uh, model than the breacher squad is. So even though you're losing more tactical squads, you're you're spending less points to do so. So in this regard, even against high AP weapons where the invulnerable save should be the thing that comes in and helps them, it doesn't actually cause, on average as much of an impact as you might want it to or hope it would. Now this last one though is where it gets really silly. Breachers have the heavy subtype, which means they get to reroll failed armor saves from templates. So if somehow both squads were to take 120 flamer shots, that would cause 60 wounds, it would cause roughly 20 failed armor saves, 13 after Feel No Pains. So that would be roughly 13 dead tactical Marines. However, you re-roll that again, and then you re-roll... I'm sorry, you re-roll the uh, 20 fails again, and then you apply the Feel No Pain, and it's down to, like, four dead Breachers. So there's no doubt at all that against Blast Weapons, the Breachers, 100% are the, are the kings. It, it, it just... it's They're very, very good for what they do. Now, the rest of it, though, calls into question something. Um, it's, it's about, you know boys before toys uh the the breachers do have some unique war gear and they look cool but they are not i think on average better than a tactical squad in almost any situation i still might take one in a couple of my armies in fact i have a squad of breachers that i oftentimes use in my iron warriors list just for fun even though they're kind of not great because i like the way they look but this is again the big problem with breachers as i alluded to before They're pretty expensive for what you get, so they're not necessarily really efficient for the different things that you're going to do. And again, I said it once, but in a lot of different ways, when the tactical squad is on an objective, which is most of the time where you're going to want them to be, they're even tougher to shift. So this next segment is going to be covering the Legion Assault Squad, which is another hand-to-hand focused troop choice uh, similar to the Despoilers. So the Assault Squad has the standard Marine um, line as before, with the Sergeant getting an additional attack and leadership. They come for 145 points. You get nine Legionnaires and one Assault Sergeant. The War Gear is Bolt Pistol, chainsword cum stock, just like the Despoiler the Squad. They do have a Legion Warhawk war Jump Pack, Power Armor, Frag, and Crack Grenades. Their unit type is Infantry Line, and their sergeant is Infantry Line Character. Their special rules is only Legionis Astartes, just like the Breacher, so they do get access to your Legion special rules, but they do not get Heart of the Legion. Now, the special bit of war gear that the Assault Squad gets is the Legion Warhawk Jump Pack, which has a couple of unique rules that add on to the Assault Marine Squad. So what it does is at the beginning of the... Uh, controller players movement phase or when deployed as part of a deep strike assault a model with a legion warhawk jump pack may set its move characteristic to 12 for the duration of the turn uh, sometimes referred to as activating the jump pack this allows a model with a warhawk jump pack to move 12 inches regardless of their movement characteristic and you gain any other benefits of movement 12 characteristic which include additional charge distance so you get a plus modifier on your charge which is super helpful because These guys want to be in combat. In addition, when all models with a Warhawk jump pack that have been activated ignore, they ignore terrain while moving and charging, but must take dangerous terrain tests as normal when beginning or ending their movement in dangerous terrain. Any model with an activated Legion Warhawk jump pack treats all difficult terrain as dangerous terrain. So if you start your turn in difficult terrain and you jump out, you're taking a dangerous terrain check, which, as we said before, roll a dice on a 1, that model suffers a wound. No armor saves allowed. A model with a Legion Warhawk jump pack may still run, if it would be normally able to run. So this does not allow units that include any models with a heavy subtype to run. So heavies the jump packs, no good. Uh, when making a run move for a model with an activated Legion Warhawk jump pack, add the initiative characteristic to the model of that model to 12 and determine how far it may move. So you just move your, your initiative. The model ignores terrain and other models from other units when making a run move with a jump pack, as noted, but it can't shoot or declare charges in the same turn, as per the normal rules for running. Okay. In addition, any model with a jump pack also gains bulky 2... Hammer of Wrath 1, and Deep Strike. If it already has Bulky 2, then it gains Bulky 3 instead. During a reaction made in any phase, a player may not choose may not choose to activate its model's uh, jump pack to gain a bonus in the movement characteristic. So you can't activate it as per uh, your reaction. Any models with the jump pack deployed as part of a Deep Strike are considered to have activated their jump packs in that turn because they jump out of the sky and avoid becoming pancakes by hitting the jets as they land. So the bulky rule causes them to count as more than one model. It actually causes each jump pack trooper to count as two models for the purposes of outnumbering, which for a couple of legions, specifically night Lords is super important. Um, On top of that, they also get the hammer of wrath rule, which hammer of wrath is an interesting one and kind of important to understand so that you can see the, the, the benefit of the squad. So If a model with this rule ends a charge move in base or hull contact with an enemy model, it makes an additional attack equal to the value in brackets, so for us, in this case, 1. They automatically hit and are resolved at the model's unmodified strength with AP nothing. So they don't benefit from any special rules that would modify your strength. They are resolved before the fight subphase at initiative step 10, but they do not grant the model an additional pile-in move. If a model with a special rule charges a vehicle or building of any kind, the hits are resolved against the armor value facing the charging model. If you're in charge, if the model's in charge with two or more facings, the player controlling the model chooses a facing and resolves it as such. Okay, what this means is that when you end base to base in a charge, you get an additional auto hit at your normal strength. The, the bit about the pile-in move is important there though, because it's only the models that end in base-to-base. So in the game proper, once you are chosen and selected to fight, once your initiative step is hit, you can make what's called a pile-in move and you can scoot a little bit in so you can get a chance to fight. Well, if you have to do that to get into base-to-base contact to fight, then you cannot use your Hammer of Wrath attack. This means, on average, you might be getting anywhere from, like, 3 to 8 or whatever um, additional Hammer of Wrath hits, automatic hits, that have a chance to, you know, hurt your opponent. It's not necessarily something you can 100% count on, but it is a little bit of extra offensive capability, which is important for this squad, and we'll talk about why in a minute. The squad can take additional squad members. Uh, Every additional model is 12 points as opposed to 10 from a Despoiler or uh, Tactical Marine. I guess two points a model for a jump pack isn't bad. Uh, The entire unit may take combat shields for two points a model, which is an interesting option. And for every five models in the unit, one legionary may exchange their chainsword for one of the following options. A heavy chainsword for plus two points. A power weapon for plus five points or charnable weapon for plus five points so you this is only one for five so in your standard 10-man squad you're gonna get two of these you might be able to get yourself three because i can definitely see people running 15 person squads of these probably not 20 just because of the amount of the size of the of the unit but that is an option And power weapons and turnable weapons, especially depending upon your Legion special rules, definitely worth it. And for five points apiece, kind of a no-brainer. If they were ten points apiece, I would say "Hmm, maybe not. But for five points apiece, it's a pretty easy offensive upgrade. So definitely worth it. For every five models in the unit, one Legionary may exchange their bolt pistol for one of the following. A Hand Flamer for five points, Volkite Serpenta for five points, Or a Plasma Pistol for 10 points. I've said it before, and I will say it again, I am not a huge fan of pistol upgrades on squads. Uh, Pistols have such a short range, and most of the time, especially for a squad like this, you don't want to be skirting around maybe going to get one shot with this weapon, and I don't know that any of these is really worth it. I I would not rate any of these options. But if you like the flavor, if you like Volkite, well, and I do like Volkite, maybe you'd consider it. Uh, The Legion Sergeant might exchange their Bolt Pistol and or Chainsword for one of the following. They can have a Plasma Pistol for 10, a Hand Flamer for 5, a Volkite Serpenta for 5, a Heavy Chainsword for 2, Power Weapon for 10, Charnable Weapon for 10, Power Fist for 15, Lightning Claw for 10. Uh, They can also exchange both their Bolt Pistol and Chainsword for 2 Lightning Claws for 15 points. I kind of like this. I might actually consider doing that on a, on a squad or two. 15 points, you know, it's the same amount for a Power Fist, but with Lightning Claws gaining, a pair of them gaining two attacks instead of just one for having a pair of weapons, that's a lot of attacks. And as we're going to talk about in a minute, the number of attacks is going to be important for your Assault Squads. Um, the Sergeant can also take 10 points uh, for a bombs and Artificer Armor for 10 points. So I would consider outfitting, if I was going to outfit my sergeant, I would consider giving them a power fist or maybe the lightning claws. I, I mean, I guess I might give them one of the other weapons, but I don't know that I'd buy another weapon at, for 10 points necessarily on this squad. You you get lined, this is still a scoring, scoring unit, and it gets to move fast, it's going to have a bonus to charge, and it does have a few options. The ones that I would take are definitely the charnable weapons. Um... Or the power weapons, I guess, depending. If I was looking at, let's say... Let's say I'm Dark Angels and I can make a Deathwing uh, Assault Squad. Give them some Power Swords or some Charnable Sabres. That sounds pretty cool. Um, but, you know, it it depends on what you'd want to take and how you'd want to do this. If you're playing World Eaters, you might just keep them with the Chain Axes because those are free and those are pretty good also. But consider adding some power weapons of your of your favorite flavor. Here is the big problem with Assault Squads. In this edition, now that Weapon Skill scales so differently, Marines with Weapon Skill 4 are at a distinct disadvantage when fighting uh, anything with Weapon Skill 5. Players who are used to using a lot of Assault Squads are going to be used to roughly half of their attacks Hitting on a 4 plus and then probably wounding on a 4 plus, barring some other Legion, you know, shenanigans or whatever. That's changing now. And so this squad, if it goes up against something other than a basic troop choice, or strangely regular Terminators, you're only gonna hit on one third of your attacks. I really can't say enough about how big of a change this is and the overall utility of this unit. So unfortunately, I guess what this means is that it's uh It's time for some more math time again. Yeah, some more of that. So 240 points gets us 15 assault marines, uh, 15 guys, one sergeant with two lightning claws, because I think it's cool, and artificer armor, and then three additional charnable weapons. That comes out to, on the charge, 47 attacks. Now, of those 47 attacks, right away... Only 15 will hit. Now, the nice thing is that because this squad does have chain swords, you are going to get shred and you get a chance to re-roll. So 15 hits, uh, well, 15 hits ignoring any of our special weapons would still result in likely 11 armor saves, which, well, after that, though, it comes down to kind of an embarrassing, uh, only about three, maybe four dead opponents Um, That's not a lot of impact for a 250-point squad. Now, there are lots of ways to help this a little bit. Uh, Some of the power weapons that you can take, the Charnable Sabres, some of those wounds might be breaching, and so you're going to ignore armor saves altogether, so that will up your overall casualty rate. If you choose to upgrade your squad with Power Axes, you get a plus one strength and a B2, although you are striking last. Uh, But still, you're more likely to, again, up that overall kill total. Now, this is all presuming that you successfully charge because you're losing a third of these attacks, roughly, if you don't successfully charge. uh, Because the, the assault marines base attack is one, you get an additional one for having two close combat weapons, and then a plus one for the charge. In subsequent rounds of combat, the assault marines are going to be even less effective against high weapon skill targets. Now, They are still plenty good against standard Marines going against other tactical Marines, other assault squads, despoiler squads, breachers, all that sort of stuff. It's just the special things that you really need to be careful about. They're they're just not going to be good at killing Death Stars. So maybe that's one of those things where we think about their overall effectiveness in other ways. I think that Marines, basic Marines, are actually going to be pretty good at doing one thing in particular— which is killing base uh, medium to low armor vehicles. So assault squads get to move 12 inches and then charge with a bonus. So you can loop around ignoring terrain and charge from the flanks or the side into uh, artillery vehicles, um, rhinos, predators, vindicators, stuff like that. And because of the way the rules work, when you assault a vehicle... You're automatically going against their usually weaker rear armor. Now, crack grenades in this edition are auto hit with a strength six AP three vehicle. You're, or, I'm sorry, strength six AP three attack. You are not going to blow up and detonate those vehicles, but you can glance them to death. And on average, a ten man or fifteen man uh, assault squad is going to easily wreck a small squadron of vehicles. One Rhino is toast no matter what. The other thing to consider is that if assault squads are useful mostly for killing non-combat specialist units, then you can think about throwing them up against uh, other tactical squads, other despoiler squads, but you can also try to run them around the back using their impressive mobility and try to take out heavy weapon squads or something of that sort. Now you don't necessarily need to wipe a heavy weapon squad to take it out of the game. If you're able to engage and tie up a heavy weapon squad or other infantry squad that can't leave combat really and must keep fighting, then you effectively neutralize them from the game. Now let's say you are charging a charging a, a heavy heavy bolter. Now let's say it's something more dangerous a missile launcher or last cannon heavy weapon squad with your 15-man marines. And let's say you uh, get overwatched and they absolutely light you up. You have no way to mitigate that damage. And you come in against them uh, after losing like six or so marines from the overwatch. So it's pretty brutal. Well, you're still going to tie them up for that round of combat. You are going to have shred because of your chain swords. You're going to have extra weapons that hopefully you can keep alive. You are going to have more attacks, and you're going to have at least a few automatic Hammer of Wrath hits. You're going to cause some damage, and you're more than likely going to win that combat. If nothing else, if you stalemate and you tie up that unit for a turn, then they can't shoot at anything else. If you win, you have a chance to sweep, or at least cause them to run away, which again limits their effectiveness. I think assault squads still definitely have a place... Uh, But they are definitely not going to be the same workhorses that we might have seen or thought of beforehand. Now, some legions are even going to be able to do a better job with them than others. The Night Lords, the Blood Angels, both have shenanigans that help make the assault squads more effective in the charge. Night Lords really, really love the fact that this squad is bulky because it really helps out with their A Talent for Murder... And the, uh, if you manage to get a charge, and with an assault squad, you really got to be careful to make sure, you really need the charge anywhere for the attacks, but on a charge, you get an additional uh, bonus to your ability to wound, which again, causes more saves, causes more death. So they definitely still have a place. Now, the real comparison comes from looking at the difference between assault squads and despoiler squads. Now, we were talking before about that 240-point tactical squad. The Despoiler Squad is significantly cheaper. It's only 100 points for 10, and it's only 10 points per additional model. So right away, it's only 150 points for those same 15 Marines. Sadly, the Sergeant cannot take dual Lightning Claws in a Despoilers Squad, but you can take, for one in every five, the Power Weapon or Charnable Weapon, so you can still get some of that offensive capability. Now, the other thing that the Legion Despoiler Squad has going for it is the rule uh, heart of the legion so they get more synergy for being on an objective with an apothecary they're even more survival but they also get the spite of the legion rule that we talked about last time which has a lot there are a lot of ways that you can generate or trigger spite of the legion so that this squad could theoretically get an additional attack on the charge even more offensive capability they're still only gonna they're still only gonna make or hit you know 33 percent of the time against a higher weapon skill target but still it's better it's significantly better now the one thing the despoiler squad does not have is the maneuverability that the assault squad does the despoiler needs heart of the legion because the despoiler is going to be in the middle of the board charging and standing on objectives and generally just holding out as long as humanly possible You've got to consider that the Assault Squad is more of a tactical knife. It's a a surgical strike, and you're going to implement and use it in a slightly more subtle way. Maybe you take a turn to move and run them someplace into safe cover and to get a successful charge on a priority target like a heavy support team, turn two or turn three even. The Breacher is, again, a specialized sort of tactical squad. They are very strong and very good at what they do, but they're just super expensive, so you really probably only want to take one and you want to implement it in specific ways. Of the two of these, I can see Assault squads getting a lot more play than Breacher squads, and again, it's not a direct or fair comparison because the two do extraordinarily different things. But I definitely see using one Assault Squad in a lot of my legions, even ones that wouldn't necessarily use them, just for the ability to run around and tie up something that um, I don't necessarily want to be fighting at full strength all game long. Thank you for sticking through and waiting for this um, episode. I'm sorry it took so long to get out. Um, We had had to do a lot of numbers today. Not sure I'm a big fan of that. But hopefully it was some good stuff for you all to think about as you're beginning to decide what your 40, 40 bros in the box are going to become. Next time we will start with the first Legion list request that we got from a listener. I was going to try to squeeze it into today's, but um, this is getting very long already. So we'll start next time with a Dark Angels Deathwing list And uh, then we'll move on to our final uh, line installment where we talk about the Recon Marines and we get a special guest to come in and talk to us about their history running uh, Raven Guard and other sneaky type legions. Thanks very much. Take care.